Welcome to Mill Resource Radio, where we highlight military and veteran support organizations. Hear directly from organization leaders and those who've benefited from their services. Thousands of organizations exist, but if you don't know about them, how do you seek their help? Join us for discovery, access, and knowledge about effective military and veteran organizations sharing their missions and accomplishments directly with you. And now here are your hosts, Linda Crater and Les Davis. Good morning. I'm Linda Crater, and I'm joined today by Tosambra Kimes. Good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Linda. Happy to be here. Delighted to have you, and I'm very excited to talk to our two guests today because we are really talking about something that I think we all see in the news occasionally with a few little news blurbs, and we're going to be talking today about, <laughs> I love the title of this book, right? Fight Like a Girl, yes. and it's about two veterans and their perceived, um, not just their perceived, their experiences yes. within the military and what they saw differently than they feel like their male compadres felt, and so we are welcoming Army Kelly Kennedy and Marine Corps Kate Germano to our program, and we're going to talk about their book, Fight Like a Girl. Welcome. Thank you so much. I think Thank this you. is such Glad a great, here. oh, we're delighted to have you, and I think that the title of the book is just fun. So obviously, not everything fun brought you to this point, but right. certainly growing experiences did. So Kate, why don't we start with you? How did you partner on this project? And and what about the two of you makes you really unique and different from most military veteran authors? Sure. Um, I'd like to first say that it has been a real honor and privilege to work with Kelly. She's an amazing writer and uh, we found each other actually almost through serendipity. We um, I had been fired from command in, in the Marine Corps of the only all-female unit in the entire Department of Defense because the Marine Corps is the only service that continues to maintain segregated boot camp for men and women. And I was fired for allegedly being too hard on my recruits and my Marines mm-hmm. when I tried to hold them to higher standards. Um, and so when I came home, Because of the way that the Marine Corps announced my relief very publicly, uh, my story was in the New York Times, and I got a call from someone who is an agent who said, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book about your story? And at the time, I was still so... (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, I was uh, was still so stung. I I really was very hurt about what had happened. that it took me a while to really figure out that that would be the right thing. And so when I contacted him, he said, look, I'll put you in touch with a a co-author who can help you navigate through the process and write the book. And after originally partnering me with a male author, um, who I later broke up with, uh, because I just didn't feel as comfortable with him, uh, for a couple of reasons, I connected with Kelly and I felt like instantly, she not only understood what I had experienced and believed in me, um, but I also felt like her own experience in the Army um, and her own experience as a journalist, the only journalist who has not only served as an Army woman, but then covered U.S. combat, um, I thought that that was such a unique perspective and that she would really bring a lot to the book. And so I was able to partner with her. Mm. Excellent story. Yeah, 
just to clarify, I'm the only uh, U.S. woman who served in combat and covered combat, not not the only veteran who has. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. So you're yeah, still learning I, things I think, about one another. No, yeah. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> well, it, and I actually think the profound difference, I, I don't think the first co-author was a veteran, right? He was not. And uh, he, the, one of the reasons that we had trouble working, I had trouble working with him is because he didn't have military experience, um, not necessarily because he wasn't a woman who'd served, but because he didn't have military experience, he didn't really, he didn't fully understand what the military was like. And so mm-hmm. it was really, it was difficult to sort of navigate those waters. Right. It's really important to have that that knowledge base because it is such a different experience that you have versus civilian sector and military sector, right? It is and it isn't. I mean, I would say that, um, you know, it's a different culture, but I think Kelly would agree with me and, and feel free to interrupt Kelly. But I think what is absolutely true and we have found through this process in writing the book is that the issues that women in the workforce faced with sexual harassment and discrimination and gender bias, those are the same issues that women in the military face. Mm-hmm, and right. so in writing the book, what we really wanted to accomplish was to build a bridge between civilian women and military women so that there's a shared understanding that these issues are the same and we should work together to develop solutions um, to try to change the culture in and out of the military. You know, women are right. so and strong. I- did that help you as you went through this? Was it a determination born of the experiences and the, I'll call it unfairness, you were facing? Um, Kelly, what's what's your perspective on that? Why do you think we made it this far through the process? Well, yeah, just sort of going back to the, the previous, I, I don't think that you necessarily have to be a veteran, but I do think that as Kate and I were talking about her experiences, I was able to say, oh, well, this this thing happened to me when I was in, and did you have something similar happen? So we were able to sort of expand what had happened to Kate, both in the civilian world and the military world, because I've been in the civilian world for, for years, and, and sort of expanded it out. But yeah, I would say definitely both of us are fairly, are we're strong women, straight up. Both of us have had... Um, bad and good experiences and learn from those experiences. And that's, that's what makes you strong. So, so I would say that that was definitely a factor. And I'll be honest, Kelly gives me a lot more credit than I think I deserve. I mean, literally in this process, she served as a partner. She served as, you know, a brain that I could bounce ideas off of and, and, and an excellent writer. But she also was like a therapist for me. I mean, just being able to talk through what I had experienced with someone who understood mm-hmm. um, was probably the healthiest thing for my mental state of mind than anything else I could have had. So burden on her, but she helped me get through probably uh, the second toughest experience in my life. So I really appreciate it. You know, it, what you're talking about is basically the writing was a catharsis for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, when I went back and I actually had a copy of the book that had been sent to me by the publisher, mm-hmm. I was so afraid. I was actually terrified to open it up because when you're writing, and I think Kelly would agree with this, when you're writing, you're taking it chapter by chapter, but it's difficult to actually think about what the whole book looks like. 
Um, and so it was really scary to open up that book and actually start reading it. But as soon as I got past the first page, it was amazing and it was funny and it, it sounded like me and it was, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's been more than just a cathartic experience. Um, it's been a really positive experience because I think people are really going to enjoy reading it. So this book is going to basically expand on your shared experiences and it's going to help the reader fight like a girl, right? Well, I mean, I think think essentially what it does is it takes – there's a stereotype that a lot of people have about women in the military. So people either seem to believe women in the military are victims. Um, right. Or they tend to believe that we are impervious to any type of mm-hmm. hurt. Um, and that's because a lot of senior officers and a lot of senior women who've come up as pioneers as the firsts, I think they feel awkward about acknowledging where they've struggled. And I think that this book really, we're, we're the next generation. And, and I, I really tried to be real, um, to talk about the mistakes that I'd made and the regrets that I have. And, um, I really hope that that helps women who are in, but it also helps women who are civilians so that they understand that they can be authentic and, and they'll be great leaders. You know, I think that's very, sorry, Kelly, go ahead. Oh, I think it serves as she, she offers a lot of management advice, uh, not just as a woman, but, but as a, as a manager, as, as a leader. But then she also goes back through and says, you know, men and women need to work together on this issue to make sure that women feel comfortable serving. But, but also women need to be reaching back and lifting each other up. And here's how to do that. And, and I would say in the military, we haven't been oh, great about doing that. That is, I, I'm so, can I just say, I'm so happy to hear that because <laughs> yeah. in my experiences when I served, that was not the case. So I'm, I love hearing that. So Absolutely. yeah, that was big for me too. I'm proud of Kate for that, for being the first woman to, to come out in a book and say, you know what? I didn't do this right. I, yeah, I I'm going to acknowledge that I, yeah, that, that I don't feel like women who serve underneath me, were able to come to me when they needed help. And and it was because I was working so hard to be one of the guys or to fit into the the culture when, when that shouldn't be a a strike against us. It shouldn't be a strike against women that they reach out to each other and try to help. That's right. Do you think that your supposition that you had to be strong, that you had to be tough played a part in how you treated subordinates? No. Directed at Kate. Yeah, no, that's such a good question. Here's the most supreme, the irony of all. So when I went to Paris Island to take command, I had learned a lot of lessons in my previous tour in command on recruiting duty. Mm -hmm. And in that tenure, in that time um, at, at a recruiting station, San Diego, I literally felt like I had to be tough as nails. And so my Marines may not have liked me. A lot of them didn't like me because I believed in accountability, but they respected me. And when I went to Paris Island, I wanted to change that mentality. I sort of wanted to be the person who would be respected and liked. And so I took a much different approach. 
We are coming up on a break, and I would love to hear more about that approach. I know our listeners would. We are talking today to Kate Germano and Kelly Kennedy about their new book, Fight Like a Girl, and it is revelatory. It's very interesting as we come upon some issues that are in both the military and civilian world, and it is chock full of good tips, leadership advice, and transparency, which is super important as we go forward. We're going to go on a short break, and we will return. And thank you for listening. Stay with us. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Are you a family caregiver in the military community? Join us on VeteranCaregiver.com. In the military and veteran community, there are 5.5 million caregivers of our nation's injured, ill, and wounded. Whether your family member served in World War II or in the most recent Iraq and Afghanistan conflicts, there are unique needs of military and veteran caregivers. Navigating any medical system takes skill and help in obtaining good care. Veteran Caregiver has access to a rich network of advocates and organizations to assist you. Find excellent resources, short informative videos, an active Facebook community, and empathetic support. Veteran Caregiver supports those from every service branch and those who served in any conflict. Need information on sandwich caregiving, EFMP, or aging issues? VeteranCaregiver.com provides information and community to those managing busy lives with compassionate care. That's VeteranCaregiver.com. Support for those who care. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion about Fight Like a Girl, a new book by Kate Germano and Kelly Kennedy. I would love to know what command felt like when you first came to Paris Island and when did things shift for you where you really realized you were living a unique and possibly very troublesome experience? It's a really good question. I learned before I even got to Paris Island by doing turnover with uh, the person I replaced that 4th Recruit Training Battalion was going to be a very unique experience. One of the things that has stuck with me the most over the years is she said that, hey, look, this the, these women are, it's like tears or cupcakes. They're either baking you cupcakes or they're sitting on your couch crying. And it was, again, it's the only all-female wow. unit in the entire Department of Defense. And so at that point, I recognized very clearly that either something was wrong in terms of sort of the good order and discipline or People were living up to negative stereotypes without even really realizing that that's what they were doing. It is still segregated. It's still segregated today. So even after experiences where you were obviously showing that there were some, I don't even know what the word to choose, but there there was friction. And it's still segregated, which makes people feel isolated and not equal. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I I found a lot of issues when I got there. One thing I will say is that this was not a reflection on the Marines. The Marines were only doing what they were expected to do. Mm -hmm. And so 
one of the things that I'm most proud of is that when I was in command, we worked together. We collaborated on solutions to improve the performance of our female recruits, and we achieved historic results. Um, and so I'm very, very proud of the fact that they were part of leading the, the change to develop solutions that would improve the performance of women. Um, it is ironic that in the past three weeks, the Marine Corps has come out a few times in the in the news and has uh, they've promoted the changes that they've recently made to integrate training events. But they have zero plans to actually increase the number of women in the Marine Corps, which is the smallest percentage of all of the DOD. And they have no plans to actually integrate training like the other services have. Why do you think that is? Uh, I will tell you that the Marine Corps has been the most averse to change of all of the services, whether that was, you know, the end of segregation and allowing African-Americans to serve in normal, regular units or the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. The Marine Corps has always culturally been resistant to change. And it's always the service. It's also the service that um, says it has the highest standards and is the toughest. And so I think when women are allowed to come into new positions and are allowed to excel, it can be threatening. Uh, and I think that that causes a lot of anxiety. And so uh, we have a lot of folks out there who have anxiety about losing sort of status if women are more successful. And then we've got a lot of older gentlemen in the Marine Corps who come from conservative Southern religious backgrounds who just don't believe that women have a place in, in the military. In the military or and the in, Marine Corps? Uh, I, I think some of them it's, it's the Marine Corps, but I think for many of them, they just don't believe that women should be in the military. Hmm. I, I can, I can right, see that. Certainly not the infantry. <laughs> Right. Certainly not right. the infantry. So. Tassambra? Oh, I was going to say, or, or the, the combat fields as well, right? So right. there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. A lot of maybe just educating them, I think, to help them overcoming their fears. What are, what are your takes on that? How can we get this change moving in the right direction? I don't think you're already I've, doing that. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like, you know, Kate started to, she went into Paris Island and saw base level stereotypes. The women were being told that they couldn't shoot well because their arms were too short. Or, you know, Kate was told herself that she wouldn't perform well in land navigation because women never do. Just very stupid suppositions. You know, women at Paris Island hadn't marched. They hadn't done as well in drill and ceremony as the men had. And that makes no sense at all. So she went in. Right. So Kate goes in and and changes those things and makes them better. And as she's doing that, the Marine Corps is showing, she she also showed uh, women how to prevent injuries. So they they ended up with an injury rate that was comparable to the men's. So while she was doing this, the Marine Corps was trying to show that women were failing in exactly those areas Mm. so that they wouldn't have to do integration. So if you start at those base level stereotypes and say, no, look, we've been doing this wrong, then you're going to do a lot toward changing the the stereotypes at the top level. You know, women shouldn't be in the infantry because they can't do these things. I I can tell you that I don't think it's it's 
half as much an issue of education because when I was at Paris Island, as Kelly mentioned, we showed that there were 40 years of statistics showing the women had always underperformed. We also showed that women could achieve great success when held to higher standards. And they loved it. They felt the Marine Corps says they segregate women in boot camp because that's how they generate confidence. But the reality is you and I, I think, understand that confidence doesn't come for free. It comes from results. It comes from when you push yourself harder than you ever have in a run and you've proven yourself you can be faster, you can be stronger. Well, so we showed that. So I don't think it's education as much as it's going to require people from the outside, whether in Congress or parents um, educators, I think it's going to require pressure from the outside to hold the Marine Corps accountable for making this change happen because we're way, way behind the army. I mean, it's, uh, the army's done so much more than the Marine Corps has to embrace change and it shows in their numbers. I think well, you're okay. also looking at things that are in the civilian world that has gone even faster than the armed services mm-hmm. because these same issues existed you know a, 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 an accomplished um, an accomplished woman will always perhaps to the wrong people threaten Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is not something that is unique only to the military. But in the civilian world, there have been many more women forging through without the structure of the military. So in many ways, do you feel as though the training and the structure of the military hinders that kind of growth that you're talking about? Because in the civilian sector, personal growth, achievement, accomplishment mm-hmm. is is lauded in a way that it appears as though in the command structure, it is not yet embraced that way. Uh, you know, the military is a hierarchical organization. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's also a traditional organization. And I think because it is so male dominated and women are such a minority, it is really difficult to overcome stereotypes and, um, So I think what you'll find is that where there are civilian women working in highly male-dominated workforces like the police, like first responders, I think they have the same types of challenges. We haven't progressed to the same degree as maybe the corporate sector has, for example. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn about the gender issues specifically while you're writing this book? Did some things come out? Was it like... Oh, I didn't think of it this way. How how was that process with within the book, with the writing of the book? As yeah, Kelly, one of the things, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, just I think the difference between the army and marine background, we were I, I was trying to figure out. She was she was talking about how uh, officers tend to run bases. That's how it's supposed to work. You know, officers are in charge, um, but at in the Marine Corps at Paris Island, it's, it's more run by enlisted. The drill instructors are, are in charge. They teach the officers. And we were trying to come up with a way to explain to people why it was different. So I was talking to a friend. He's like, well, the Marine Corps is kind of a cult. <laughs> it kind of is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. so we just, I mean, we had to explain what the Marine Corps looked like, you know, that, that it does tend to be um, fewer women, more sexual harassment, 
uh, fighting to exist because, you know, the, the Army wanted the Marine Corps resources after World War II and what's the difference between the Marine Corps and the, the Army at the base level. And so there's, there's all this kind of background going on mm-hmm. as well as, you know, what, what Kate was just about to say. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot to this idea that Marines are rough and tough. And when you have women coming in uh, who might present themselves as both feminine and strong, I think sometimes that can cause people who are known as Marine warriors, the rough and tough guys, it can really cause them to question, you know, well, gosh, if, if a woman could do it, you know, maybe that makes me less. And I think that that's part of the challenge is changing the mindset so that we embrace people and their strengths, um, regardless of whether they fit that stereotypical Marine image. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very interesting because strong women get pushed back in every sector. Mm-hmm. And the direct speak, um, the the absolutely no stepping back from a challenge kind of thing that strong women exhibit can be threatening to a lot of people. Uh, I tend to believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, that it's the alpha females that take these positions in the Marine Corps because they, they want to be tested. They want the personal growth and same probably for the other armed services. But I do think the Marine Corps is slightly different in their approach and the culture is is a bit different but do you feel as though this is across the board um an an, an alpha thing (laughs) um i i I don't think that's all of it but i can tell you that there are women who are strong in the military do face the double binds right so the same Mm -hmm. thing civilian women face where if you're a strong aggressive woman that's seen as bad but if you were a guy that would be seen as good leadership quality Um, So I think we face the same challenges. I think all Marine women are in some way alpha women because there are so few of us. Mm -hmm. We come into the Marine Corps for the challenge. So I think that in a way that makes all of us alphas. One of the ironic things I thought with Kate was it was like she was too too much of a Marine to be a female Marine. Like (laughs) the guys didn't like that. Or she'd have someone come into her office who wasn't doing his job and she'd say, hey, you know, do your damn job or I'm going to fire you. And then he'd go complain that she was too mean. Right. She's <laughs> that's Marine surprising not to doing me. Job. Yeah, no, that's the reality. It's the double bind. So if you're too aggressive, you're seen as mean. But if you are too empathetic, you're seen as weak. It's it's just a very difficult tightrope to walk. All right. I'm right. going to make an editorial comment here. Whatever happened <laughs> to people understanding personal accountability right. and standards? Because right. I see that falling in mm-hmm. every regard in our culture right now. And it surprises me. It disappoints me. And especially in something that people are really aspiring to be the best they can be. Right. That's an army motto, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> but I've we have to one. go on another break and we will be back and we will be talking about gender bias, sexual harassment and retaliation, mental health and more in our next segment. We will go on a short break. We're talking with Kelly Kennedy and Kate Germano about their book, Fight Like a Girl. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Join the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. 
Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. On the break, we were talking about a number of things in terms of how uh, smart, alpha, direct, good communicating leadership type women often are misunderstood because culturally it seems as though things are very much changing. Everybody's supposed to be tolerant and understanding and sensitive. And I don't see how it can all work. That's just my personal opinion in terms of how we are treating the culture as we we go. We're finding our way, I think. But I would love to know if you could talk further, Kate, about why you were fired and some of the direct things that obviously they had to accumulate data before they could fire you because that's a big deal. So what are some of the specifics of what occurred and how did you feel at the time? So I'm a believer in accountability, and that's what you were just talking about. I am a part of my command philosophy. There were three tenets. Uh, I wanted my Marines to have confidence. I wanted them to be accountable, and I wanted them to have pride in the unit and what we were doing. And so I said, look, first and foremost, I hold myself accountable for everything we do or fail to do. But I expect for you, every single one of those Marines, to do that at their levels as well. Everything that their recruits do or fail to do, everything memories. And and by owning it myself, I really wanted to make sure that they understood that I was not asking them to do anything that I wasn't willing to do myself. Mm-hmm. But there were some Marines because we were changing the way we were training recruits. Um, a lot of the women who were drill instructors had come through 4th Battalion as recruits and had been abused. And their mindset was, hey, a hazing is the way that you make strong Marines. This is the way I became a Marine. Why should it be any different for them? Mm-hmm. And so when we started changing the way we were doing training, they struggled to come on board. And so I had 90% of my Marines doing incredible things, achieving historic results. They were amazing. And I'm incredibly proud of them. And they believed, and you could see that through the results. And then I had 10%. And unfortunately, Because my boss, my colonel, was not receptive to me as the strong, assertive, aggressive woman. He would allow those Marines who were disgruntled to go directly to him to complain. Mm. And he started taking notes. And then he, every Marine unit has to do a command climate survey every year. And so he put questions together from my unit that were tailored specifically to allow the people who were upset with me to talk about how mean I had been. And that was sort of the starting point. I have to interject here. Mean? 
mean is not a, an attribute that you measure in a performance review. It, yeah. it just isn't. It's like saying attitude. You're never allowed to do those things in terms of measuring people. So when you say a command climate survey mm-hmm. and they were complaining, when I hear the words complaining or mean, I, I think of a, a middle school playground, mm-hmm. which is not the the grounds that you're looking at for a Marine Corps training ground. I, okay. I find it surprising. Do you feel this is pervasive uh, Kelly in the army as well? Uh, you know, I don't, well, to some extent and, and keep in mind that I served 20 years ago. Um, but they were calling Kate out for things like hugging one person and not hugging another or rolling her eyes. And this is at Marine Corps boot camp. So, I mean, I don't remember people being super, um, touchy feeling when I went through basic training uh-huh. and when I, I read the investigation, I was just blown away by, by what was considered mean for a, a female leader. And just to backtrack on that, what she said about her boss at fourth battalion, Kate had wonderful male bosses along the way. So it, it wasn't a matter of um, it, this is at no point a, a, a woman against man kind of book. They're, they're, uh-huh she makes a huge point of, of saying that, that men need to be mentoring women as well, especially in a place where it is majority male. She served in units where she was the only, the only woman. Uh, as far as like the, the women ganging up on people. Um, I mean, I've seen in other aspects of life. I've, I've, when I was at college, I was editor of the college paper and an editor underneath me went around with a survey and asked if I should be editor because I was, I was too uh, abrasive. Um, and it was for the same sort of thing. I, w- I thought that we could do better and, and I uh, had high expectations for my staff and she just wanted the editor position herself and it turned into this, this sort of nonsense thing. Uh, so I, I would say not just the Marine Corps, not just the army, but, but across the board. Right. There's always going to be adult mean girls. And yeah, we write about that. Yeah, yeah there, there always we are. And, and we know about that, didn't we? <laughs> we did. That we, it's in another one of our shows. Um, yeah. We did, adult mean girls, because, yeah. you know, it, it isn't limited to school. And when you let them out into the wild, that's, that's not right. such a great thing to have happen. But what I'm sensing is that you were hitting your head up against the culture, the way it was before. And accountability is mm-hmm. something that is starting to slip in our society. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why, because you can't get better that way. Right. And what you were doing, it seems to me, was would be the way we all run corporations. We run um, any any organization. You want personal growth. You do want to raise the standards so that people rise to them. And if they don't, they will get out on their own. Right. Uh, I, to me, that's the way things go. But I, I am surprised and disappointed to hear mean. Um, yeah. And those types of words, which have no place in a professional evaluation. So yeah. how did you counter these sorts of things when you got them? I mean, is, is it even possible to counter those kinds of accusations that aren't even professional? It's only possible if you have a chain of command that is willing to consider what you've done to try to correct the problems with those individuals 
Okay. Um, I had stacks of documentation, counseling, uh, different mentorship techniques I had employed with the, the Marines who were struggling. And I provided all of that to the investigating officer and none of it was included in the investigation. So, you know, when you have a chain of command, as I had coming up in the Marine Corps many times where I had a commander who backed me and and really understood that I wasn't mean, I was just holding the standard. And maybe it sounds different coming from a woman, but it's the right thing to do. When you have that, you can take your Marines. They will blow the roof off when they succeed. But when you have the experience of Paris Island, you know, anything extreme is bad. All men is bad. All women is bad. Um, the environment at, at 4th Battalion was so caustic and it was so um, petty that uh, it made it a lot easier to, to drum me out. You know, my boss just didn't believe that I was doing the right things. Um, and so it was difficult. So was it caustic and petty before you got there? Yes. Oh, yeah. Fourth Battalion was called the Fourth Dimension, which is like the Twilight Zone. Mm. Um, And the tagline for the battalion, and it was used by Sergeant's Major, the most senior enlisted, by the the officers on the depot. It was that the the battalion was full of drama. And so that was kind of what my... uh, the person I replaced was trying to convey when she said, Hey, this place is like tears or cupcakes. They're either baking you cupcakes or they're sitting on your couch crying. And my thought was, how can we be making Marines to be strong and defend the country? If we are so focused on that type of conflict, um, I just wanted to normalize the battalion to make it any like anywhere else in the Marine Corps. Was it possible to redirect in the actions of, uh, performance. Um, as you were saying, you got results from 90% of people. Was it possible to make any changes not based on words, but in, not a declaration, but a demonstration? Was it possible? I think we were showing that. I mean, I think what happened was by normalizing the battalion and trying to improve the trust between the companies. We were teaching them, my sergeant major and I were teaching the Marines to be more self-reliant mm-hmm. and to be better problem solvers and to use interpersonal communication skills. And instead of saying, oh, this sucks, I can't do anything, I hate this place. And so we were seeing fewer problems with uh, misconduct. Mm-hmm. We were seeing, as Kelly mentioned, fewer injuries with the recruits. Um, That's huge. Yeah. I mean, we were mm-hmm. seeing positive results. And I'm not going to say I didn't screw things up because I did. And I was very honest with my Marines about how I screwed things up every day. But when you're dealing with just a staunch level of resistance above you, it's really, really hard to make change happen. And not like, only that, you didn't, no one was documenting it. So Kate's going along doing her thing. The, the uh, shooting results are going up, um, range results are going up, women are running faster, they're, they're improving in every way. And Kate knows that she's having some conflict with her boss, but at no point did he sit her down and say, hey, you need to do this differently. At no point did he counsel her or write anything down. So there was nothing for her to say, uh, oh, gosh, I need, to, I need to change this thing or I'm going to get fired or, you know, whatever. There just, there was no... Um, that does not seem like Marine Corps protocol. It doesn't, but 
in hindsight, when I look back at my first meeting with my boss, I will never, ever forget that one of the first things I wrote down that he told me was, above all else, I prize harmony amongst my staff. Uh-oh. And I I filed that away in my notebook and I wrote it down and I, you know, didn't really think about it. But the reality was he did not want anybody to rock the boat. And so here I was rocking the boat saying <laughs> segregated boot camp was ineffective and it, it didn't jive with what he wanted to see. It's interesting because there's often two responses to that. One is, you know, don't don't rock the boat, as you say. And the other one is, you know, I'm just going to let her go and do that because she's showing results. Yeah. And so you you had a 50 50 shot. But I think the culture kind of overpowered what was possible for Mm -hmm. you. Um, Very interesting because it it happens in the civilian world. It happens elsewhere. But the military is a unique culture, very hierarchical and much more rigid in terms of how power can be given to certain leaders that maybe shouldn't right. be the leaders. So at any rate, we are going on our last break of the program and we will come back and talk further about changes that need to be seen and why strong women will prevail ultimately. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Are you a dynamic woman? Sandra Beck and Linda Crater host Dynamic Women Talk Radio, bringing lively weekly shows in a roundtable format with influential guests from around the globe. This amazing tribe of diverse and accomplished women share their candid views on topics such as reputation, handling rejection, loyalty, what is sexy, overthinking, blended families, and much more. Discussions are joyful with freedom to address topics from various perspectives with candor, respect, and no judgment. These are the conversations you wish you could have with all your family and friends. Dynamic women have lived their lives boldly with unexpected and sometimes undesired turns in the road of life. Yet detours and bumps bring opportunity, personal growth, more authenticity, and a fresh outlook. Join our welcoming tribe of dynamic women each Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, also on iTunes, and more information at dynamicwomentalkradio.com. Celebrating vibrant, charismatic women everywhere. Conversation. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw this to Kelly. Um, what would you like to comment on in terms of where to go next? What about mistakes? How do you handle things? Where do you go next? Uh, Kate and I've talked about this a lot. I mean, first of all, the, the Marine Corps, the military in general, needs to uh, embrace the idea that there are women who can fit into these roles um, that and, and they need us. They're, we make up 51% of the population. They're missing out on a lot of talent. We've got low numbers of people who are able or willing to join the military. So why would you shut down uh, people who are capable uh, and who may think differently? I mean, we look at female uh, CEOs. They, they outperform. They have better um, values for the company at large. Open it up. See what happens. But then also as women ourselves, 
and civilians uh, reaching back in, we need to be doing a better job of mentoring each other and raising each other up and not being afraid of what's going to happen if we reach out to what now seems to be seen as other. Right. Great question. Great point. So, Talk about the mistakes. That's what I'm yeah. curious about because you said you owned up to mistakes. And do you feel that was a plus or a minus looking back? Um, I think it's definitely a plus. I mean, my oh, I literally made a point of pointing out to my Marines on a daily basis that I made mistakes all the time and that it's part of learning. Um, so I, I wanted for them to understand, one, I'm a human being first and foremost, uh, you know, People say they're Marines first, but the reality is we're humans first and we all have, you know, the baggage and, and everything that comes with being human. Um, right. So I never wanted them to feel like mistakes wouldn't be tolerated. Um, but I I feel like in the military and civilian sectors, mistakes, we say we tolerate mistakes, but the reality is we tend to penalize people who make them um, rather than seeing that as a, somebody taking a risk and growing from that risk and then, you know, achieving greater gains because they took that risk and failed. Mm -hmm. So I think that it would be great if we could sort of recock our view of, of why mistakes are bad and start looking at those as, you know, somebody looking for an opportunity, taking a risk and then maybe learning the things that come along with failing. Mm, definitely. There's so much to learn. I'm, I'm listening to the story and I, I just keep hearing in my head, well, well-behaved women seldom make history. And I'm so thankful. That's right. My husband bought me that bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. But, I, you know, I'm so, I'm so thankful that we kind of step out and that, you know, in, in the sense, even with the commander, Oryu, you know, that you didn't play the game the way he wanted you to play it. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm just I, I'm 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 really looking forward to reading the book as well and, and really kind of diving in and, and and hearing more of what you have to say. So Good. I appreciate that. I can tell you that um everyone knew that Colonel Haas was passive aggressive. I knew he was passive aggressive. I knew he didn't like conflict, but my failing was that I didn't see I wasn't self-aware enough to understand how I was impacting how he viewed me in his own eyes. And so I think that that really, if you're going to read the book and you want to learn how not to end up in the position that I was in, you know, life is all about self-awareness. And I'm coming at that a little bit late. I I just always assumed that if I had all the leadership traits and I was aggressive and achieving results, I assumed that that would be appreciated. And I think it's dangerous to make those assumptions. So, But you advice. only become wise by being young and foolish. Right. You can only get wise with age and experience. That's right. And I also think that self-awareness grows as you get older as well. There are also more communication skills you can learn to deal with those who are passive-aggressive right. if you can identify mm -hmm. that at the right. time. But I'm afraid that we often have this belief that if, if we're fair – Others will treat us fairly. That's right. And I'm afraid that does not always happen. So I have to ask, because it comes to mind, when something is very unfair and you're going through it and you're enduring it, and it's it's just not right, it's assaulting your sense of justice, etc. how did that impact your mental health and that yes. of your group? 
that's one of the things I am really proud of in the book is that we talk a lot about that. So I like to believe I'm a strong person, but I am a perfect example of, of how fallible human beings are. Um, I reached a point where this was such a stressful event in my life. And I, I felt so, um, I, I just didn't have a way to control what was happening that I literally started questioning my sanity. And so in the month leading up to my relief, I was really considering real, very real ways to end my life. And I would, I was a geo bachelor, which meant my husband was living in DC and I was all the way in South Carolina. I was by myself and I, I really felt alone. And so one of the things that I want this book to do is to teach women that it's okay to have those moments of doubt and um, feel like you can't control life. It doesn't make you weak. It just means that there are serious things going on and that you need to find ways to, to find help. So important because you can lose people so easily when you become isolated and beaten down and you do start to believe what is being told to you instead of being able to rise above it. Did you have any Marine Corps women peers who were helping you at this point? Zero. Yeah, um, that's what I felt. That was the environment. It was a cutthroat environment. And, and Kelly and I talk about this a lot. I didn't have any female role models coming up in, in the Marine Corps. Um, so I didn't have anyone, I, you know, as the battalion commander, the Marines that you're leading, they're not your peers. And so it is a very lonely tour. Um, mm-hmm. And so that just sort of exacerbated that mental um, anguish that I was feeling. And uh, it took a lot for me to realize that that was not a sign of not being a strong person. It was just that sometimes in life there are unendurable things that happen and you just have to be able to find people to help you through that. What, if anything, pulled you out of it? Was it one event? Was it a a time (laughs) lapse situation? Where did you finally say, I've had enough? What pulled me out of the mental funk? Yes. Mm -hmm. Literally, um, it was, and I'm not kidding when I say this, my husband was wonderful. He is the best human being on the planet. I've got great family. I was lucky to have them. But in Paris Island, I was by myself. And so I am not kidding when I tell you that my cat saved me from taking any stupid actions because I would pull my car up. I lived in this crazy Victorian house in the lower level apartment. Mm -hmm. It was hot pink. And I would pull my car up at night and I would be so despondent. And I would think, that's it. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm worthless. I'm horrible. And I would look at the window where my front door, next to my front door, and I would see this little cat head pop up. And he would make eye contact with me, and he would meow at me. And I would think, oh, you know, if something happens to me, there's not going to be anybody to feed the cat. And that literally got me through day by day by day. You're not the only one who's ever said that. I I, I feel like the, the unconditional love and support we get from pets mm-hmm. has saved many people. I want to make sure that people know where they can get the book. Is it going to be on Amazon? Where shall they find it? It's available for pre-order now at Barnes & Noble and also at Amazon. Excellent. And do you feel that you have achieved what you wanted to when you set out to write this book? 
I am so incredibly proud of the book. I think I told you I was really terrified to read it through and through. Um, <laughs> but I literally laughed. Like, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. I laughed and I cried because it's so real. And so I think it's so much more than what I thought it would be when we started. And mm -hmm. that's due in large part to Kelly. And I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to partner with her. She's a great storyteller. It was, it was great working with her. So Kelly, would you like to add anything about the experience that you had while working alongside Kate? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I haven't thought about a lot of this stuff for, for years and, and it, it was great to be able to go back and think hard about some of these issues, but also to think about what's the future. You know, I really think that Kate's book's going to help people. And I, I like this idea that, you know, she'll keep reaching out to people and lifting people up and, and that it, it gives us all a springboard to talk about it more and, and act on it. Right. And That's I have cool. to, how, how did you come up with the title? Oh, this, so this is such a great story, and I'm glad you asked. I have to tell you that the most gratifying thing to come of my relief is the fact that women have reached out to me, men too, um, to tell me about their challenges and experiences. And it, it has been the most wonderful um, process of making connections, so I'm very grateful to them. Uh, the name of the book came from the Always Super Bowl commercial from 2015. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> There was a commercial. I was going to ask about yeah, that. Yeah, like that, a girl commercial. That's right. And, it, and yep. I saw that the first time and I was like, that's it. This is exactly what we're trying to tell these young women when they come here is you start off as this six year old little girl who busts her butt sprinting in a run because that's how little girls run. Right. And then you turn into this preteen you know, who has to feel, she feels like she has to live up to everybody else's expectations about what a girl should be. And you change 180 degrees out. And so I would show my recruits and my Marines that commercial right when we were picking them up for training so that they would understand this is your time to prove what it is to run like a girl and train like a girl and shoot like a girl and have pride in that. Because for so long, We've told high school girls that, you know, they're not pretty enough. They're not thin enough. They're not smart enough. And I wanted to change that. So that's where it came from. Excellent story. Because women sometimes do feel that they are told they're not enough. Pick yeah. whatever type of right. category you want to pick. So female empowerment without the off-putting, as you said earlier, this is not a male bashing book at all. No. This is a growth experience. And... Mm -hmm. Um, I, my mentor is John Maxwell, the leadership expert, and he says, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yeah. But I think that we all know you often learn more from the negative experiences in life and you grow Absolutely. more than you do from the positive ones. Do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think about how empty my life would be right now if I had just succeeded at Paris Island and retired um, I would still be trying to find my purpose in life. And I think by being fired and being exposed to men and women who believe change is necessary and supported what we were doing and have told me their own experiences and allowed me into their worlds. I have grown as a human being. Um, and I feel like, you know, Kelly said last week, I think eventually you're going to see this as a positive and I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> but from a human perspective, I really feel like a better person having had that experience. As they say, you're not falling apart. 
you're falling into place. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, it's it's true, and I I think the tougher experiences in life really bring us the most learning and the most wisdom. It's not always something we want, but when it happens, we do look back and say that 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 was interesting, a tough thing, but but yeah. interesting. It just just goes to show you how strong you really, really are. Thank you for sharing your story, the writing behind it, the title, everything with us. And please look into this book, Fight Like a Girl by Kate Germano and Kelly Kennedy. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Mill Resource Radio. For more information, go to millresourceradio.com.